Hey guys, welcome to the view from the front. My name is Stan, and just in case this is the first time you've ever joined us, welcome by the way, here's what I do in every episode. First, I cover hotspots happening around the world that could affect our country. Secondly, I present news in a non-scary way. All the other news organizations can scare you for clickbait and audience share. I want to be different. I want you to see that things aren't as bad as you've been hearing. Finally, at the end of each episode, I share some motivation and encouragement, because we can all use a little of that. After all, life is hard, and pep talks help. What is going on, guys? I hope everyone's doing well. I know at least around here in Knoxville, we had a little bit of a warmer day or two, and finally some baseball is happening, and my 15-year-old, is his team's playing, and he's getting out there to uh, you know be a part of that team and and Finally, all of that, they've been doing conditioning and practice since all the way going back to the beginning of the school year at the fall. So they're finally getting to hit the field and do what they do best. So I hope everyone's doing well and that you got just the smallest taste of spring before the cold has returned here, at least here in Knoxville. So there is a lot of news that I can't wait to get into. And we're going to start with some U.S. news. But honestly, I'm dying to get into several things about Ukraine. So just be patient for just a second while we cover the U.S. news. And I do want to cover this because we do have troops who are in action. And we always want to keep, anytime that situation has happened, we always want to keep those troops in our thoughts and prayers for sure. Now you might say, Stan, I haven't heard anything about any kind of combat happening or anything like that. And I would say, you know what, dear listener, you are absolutely right. Because our media has already gotten bored with what is honestly a pretty large effort happening. I'm referring, of course, to our operations that are happening in the Red Sea, where the U.S. Navy is helping to protect dozens and dozens of cargo vessels that are going through the Red Sea. There was additional bombing attacks that happened just this past weekend, and that pushed the number of airstrikes and missile attacks into the Houthi-controlled part of Yemen to more than 230. So we've had more than 230 bombing attacks or missile attacks inside Houthi-controlled Yemen. Now, that's obviously dangerous for any pilot who's flying over those areas, and so it's obviously dangerous for the ships that are in the area. As we covered last week, the Houthis have been firing both anti-ship cruise missiles and ballistic missiles at our ships and cargo ships that are in the area as well. So it's definitely still a dangerous mission. Additional airstrikes happened this past weekend, so I definitely wanted to bring that up because anytime U.S. troops are in contact, that is just an important topic that I want to make sure that I cover. It's also important for a couple of other reasons. The first is that it is a major effort, and more than 20 countries are a part of these maritime patrols to try to safeguard commercial shipping, so it's a great example of how alliances and U.S. power and leadership matters. The other big reason that I wanted to bring it up, though, is that in the most recent news release from the Department of Defense, there was a subtle warning at the end, or maybe not so subtle. And the statement says, We've made it very clear to Iran that we hold it accountable for attacks by its partners and proxies and believe Iranian leaders are aware of the consequences should these attacks result in U.S. casualties. 
So this is just an important reminder that if the Houthis were to score a hit on one of these ships with what are, quite frankly, very powerful missiles and killed potentially dozens of U.S. sailors, then this is the type of situation that could very quickly escalate. Now, one other thing I want to mention about this, and then I've got a link in the Substack notes if you want to read a little bit more, is that so far to date, these Houthi rebels have affected the interest of more than 55 nations that have been sending commerce and cargo through the Red Sea. And the Department of Defense did mention that not only is this causing delivery delays in critical humanitarian items such as food and medicine, but it's also driving up prices. It's also driving up the price of insurance on the commercial trade through these this area. And so the Department of Defense again reiterated that these attacks from the Houthis are affecting the entire region and nations across the globe. So definitely an important mission, definitely a dangerous mission, and it's not one we should forget about. Now, one other bit of U.S. news before we get to Ukraine, which I am just absolutely dying to get to, is the Department of Defense released an unclassified summary of a month-long review that it did into the circumstances surrounding the hospitalization of the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. We've covered this in previous episodes going back two months or so ago. The I'm not going to get into a lot of it. There were several recommendations in it. Uh, I think there were six. I've got a link to it if you want to read it. And Secretary Lloyd and the Department of Defense have already are in the process of implementing all of them and have agreed to implement them. So, you know, good for him for taking the slap on the wrist. It was a mistake, but I think he's a good man. And I think that something like this will definitely not happen again. And he said even himself that he had learned some lessons and that the Department of Defense had learned some lessons and better procedures and policies are now in place. So that's good news. If you're one of those people that really want to get into the weeds of it and look for some something bigger than what is actually there or whatever, you can read that link. But to me, it's not that big a news story. Let's move now to news about Ukraine, which, as I said earlier, I've been dying to get into, and there's some big stories I want to cover there. The first one I want to talk about is the Washington Post had a great summary that kind of encapsulates what's been happening since last week for sure, but really for the past few weeks, which is that Russia is beginning to gain a little bit of momentum. Now, the headline of the story in the Washington Post was, Russia seizes more villages in Ukraine, raising fears of growing momentum. And so the story goes into how just a couple of weeks ago, Russia reclaimed Avdivka. And that was a pretty big town. They've been fighting there for a long time. And a lot of, as I said, I think it was last week, a lot of Ukrainian troops were captured in a chaotic retreat from that town. It was not a good situation for sure. But following that, Russian troops have taken several other uh, neighboring towns or villages, as, as the article calls them. One of them is Stepove. Another one is Sievern. I don't expect you to have heard either of them, but they've also, Ukrainian forces voluntarily withdrew from a village called uh, Lastokhan. And Ukraine said they were doing that in order to organize their defenses along a new line of settlements. 
But really, no matter how you spin it, in the past two weeks, Russia has taken Avdivka, and they have taken three other small settlements or towns. And I like to shoot straight with you guys, and we've talked about the ammunition shortages that are plaguing Ukrainian troops right now. But the reality is, is that Russia is on the move, and they are taking some ground. And so we have to be honest about that. On the other hand, these were villages or towns that had little strategic importance. Uh, two of them had less than 100 people that lived in them before Russia's invasion, so it's almost not even hardly right to call them a town. But regardless, Russia is gaining ground, and so we should be very concerned about that. And as I've said in previous episodes, we should be reaching out to Congress to try to get them to pass the 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 large aid package which would provide 60 billion dollars to help Ukraine which would also include aid to Israel and Taiwan now earlier this week president biden did meet with the leader of the house speaker mike johnson and they again failed to break the impasse on that i do think that there some members of congress are getting closer to actually uh filing a discharge petition and just forcing this through against the speaker's will. So I'm hoping at this point that that happens soon because Speaker Mike Johnson is just clearly not listening to his own members. He's quite obviously taking direction from former President Donald Trump. So for the good of Ukraine, for the good of Israel and Taiwan, I am hoping that soon this aid package will be approved. Now, this next story, I debated not even covering it since I'm trying to keep our podcast episodes a little tighter and shorter. But after really thinking it through and reading some of the follow-up reaction and even a comment from the person I'm about to discuss, I decided, you know, maybe he has a point. So what am I referring to? What I'm referring to is the pretty big news that the French president, Emmanuel Macron, said this week about not ruling out sending troops to Ukraine. And yes, you heard me right. He said he should not rule out, he would not rule out sending troops to Ukraine, which caused an absolute uproar. And to me, these, I was very frustrated when I first saw it because we're trying to get this Ukrainian aid package through Congress And you've got the French president, without informing anyone, in just a small briefing with some reporters, just throwing this out there. And so I couldn't believe it. And of course, as soon as he said it, officials from the United States, Germany, Poland, Spain, the Czech Republic, several other NATO countries, all of them dismissed the suggestion that they were even considering it. But Macron actually held his ground. He's calling it strategic ambiguity. So that's what he's calling it. And he stressed the importance of not allowing Russia to win the war. And what finally made me decide I was definitely going to add it to this episode were some additional comments he made in a later point as so many reporters were trying to nail him down. And he said, quote, I remind you that two years ago, Many around this table were saying, we're going to offer sleeping bags and helmets. Today they're saying, we've got to go faster and harder to get missiles and tanks. They have the humility to realize that we have often been 6 to 12 months behind schedule. 
That was the aim of my discussion. So anything is possible if it helps us achieve our goal. Now, I've done some additional research on this after all these comments came out, and apparently he's supporting the idea of, like, support troops, no one near the front line, nothing like that. But again, almost all of the leaders of all the various countries have really shot down this idea, and it would be a pretty serious escalation to send in foreign troops. So I don't think there's a lot to it. The French president, uh, Emmanuel Macron, has... He's kind of been all over the place on various different topics, and I don't often take what he says too serious, but I did at least want to throw it out there because it was a big deal that he did say that, and so there you go. There's a couple of minutes on that topic. Now, I can't wait to get into this next story, and then we'll have several other really, all of all those stories on Ukraine this week are just really big stories. I can't wait to get into all of those, but first I have to try to twist your arm with a short ad. Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to and would like to support what I'm doing, you can sign up on my Substack page or on my Patreon page to help support the show. For $5 per month, you can help me grow this into something even bigger. And I think by doing that in a weird way, you'll help contribute to me pulling off something I really want to do, but at a much larger level. You'll help unify our country you'll help educate more voters, and ultimately, you'll help more people become more engaged and better informed. We all know that studies prove that more informed, more engaged citizens lead to a better government, and ultimately, that will lead to a better country. I really do have some big dreams for this platform, including increased frequency, but I do need some help getting there. Currently, the show is only supported by listeners such as yourself, We have no sponsors or advertisers, but no pressure, especially if you're new. If you're new, just sit back and enjoy it. But if you've been enjoying this for a while, if it's helped bring a sense of calm and faith in our country, then please consider helping support the show. Details for signing up can be found on my Substack page and in the episode notes. Thanks in advance for your support. I really do appreciate it. Now, this next story, I can't wait to share. And I was a bit torn between playing the speech or just reading it. And I've decided to read it because I listened to it again. And these are remarks from the Minister of Foreign Affairs from Poland. And he delivered a blistering response after some typical Russian propaganda was stated by their ambassador. And I thought about playing his speech, but he has a little bit of, it's a little bit hard to understand him. And I just decided I would read it so that it's a little bit clear in the microphone and in your speakers as you're listening to me. So Russia gets up, makes the typical ridiculous comments at the United Nations. And, and of course, this is at the United Nations Security Council, which it's not easy to get on that. It's almost absurd that Russia's even on it, but... The ambassador for Russia finishes the comments, and then the this uh, foreign minister, the minister of foreign affairs from Poland, his name's Radoslaw Sikorsky, delivers this 
blistering response. And if you listen to it live, and I'll, I'll put the link in the in the episode notes so you can listen to it live, you'll notice he says, uh, a lot. He, It's not a prepared speech, and he's looking down. He had literally written down some of the things that the Russians had said, and he just decided to fact-check this guy in front of the whole world, and it is just amazing. So I'm going to read what he said because it's so perfectly especially it just perfectly knocks down all of the fog and haze and you know misstatements and exaggerations that are coming out of Russia much of it is disinformation that's being pushed by Putin and their intelligence services and unfortunately a lot of that has been gaining ground in the west in Europe in the United States, but I want to share this incredible response. So again, I'm going to read the remarks of Radislaw Sikorsky. He is the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Poland. Here we go, and I promise, buckle your seatbelt, because this is amazing. First line, I'm amazed at the tone and the content of the presentation by the Russian ambassador, and I thought I could be useful by correcting the record. The Russian ambassador has called Ukraine a client of the West. Actually, Ukraine is fighting to be independent of anybody. He calls them a criminal regime inside Ukraine. In fact, Ukraine has a democratically elected government. He calls them Nazis. Well, the president is Jewish, the defense minister is a Muslim, and they have no political prisoners. He said that Ukraine was wallowing in corruption. Well, Alexei Navalny documented how honest and full of probity his own country is. And side note, I had to look up the word probity. You probably have to look it up too. Uh, probity is the quality of having strong moral principles or having honesty and decency. So again, his line, if you changed out a couple of words, was, well, Alexei Navalny documented how honest and how decent his own country is being Russia. Now, continuing. The Russian ambassador blamed the war on U.S. neo-colonialism. In fact, Russia was trying to exterminate Ukraine in the 19th century, again under the Bolsheviks, and now it is its third attempt. The Russian ambassador said we are pris prisoners of Russophobia. Phobia means irrational fear. Yet we are being threatened almost every day by the former president of Russia and Putin's propagandist with nuclear annihilation. I put it to you that it is not irrational. When Russia threatens us, we trust them. Man, that is so good. He continues. The Russian ambassador said that we are denying Russia's security interests. Not true. We only started rearming ourselves when Russia started invading her neighbors. The Russian ambassador even said that Poland attacked Russia during World War II. What is he talking about? It was the Soviet Union that attacked Poland together with Nazi Germany on the 17th of September 1939. They even held a joint victory parade on the 22nd of September. The Russian ambassador says that Russia has only beaten back aggression. Well, 
What then were Russian troops doing at the gates of Warsaw in August 1920? Were they on a topographic excursion? The truth is that for every time Russia was invaded, she has invaded ten times. The Russian ambassador says that it is a proxy war by the West. My, my advice is, don't fall into the Western trap. Withdraw your troops to international borders and avoid this Western plot. The Russian ambassador says that there was an illegal coup attempt in the capital of Ukraine, Kiev, in 2014. I was there. There was no coup. President Yanukovych murdered a hundred of his compatriots and was removed from office by a democratically elected Ukrainian parliament, including by his own party, the Party of Regions. And finally, the Russian ambassador is saying that we, the West, are somehow trying to persuade that Russia can never be beaten. Well, Russia did not win the Crimean War. It didn't win the Russo-Japanese War. It didn't win World War I. It didn't win the Battle of Warsaw. It didn't win in Afghanistan. And it didn't win the Cold War. But there's good news. After each failure, there were reforms. Such demagoguery is unworthy of a member on a permanent basis of the Security Council. But what the Russian ambassador has achieved is to remind us why we resisted Soviet domin domination and what Ukraine is resisting now. They failed to subjugate us then. They'll fail to subjugate Ukraine and us now. Man, is that amazing or what? I have listened to that probably two or three times. It is, and the, the, just the tone of his voice, the absolute statement of facts is, it was just a brilliant rebuttal. And so I did, I definitely wanted to share that for those of you out there who hadn't seen that yet. It did go pretty viral. So I hope it keeps going viral. And if you want to hear him and his tone, you can see that through a link in my episode notes. Just go check it out. You can listen to him live. You can watch him reading from a sheet of paper. Now, this next bit of news I'm going to share is not a guaranteed thing that is going to happen, but it looks like it's really getting close to actually happening. And so I just want to go ahead and cover it because it's such big news. Now, just a little background before I get into this. As the Russian war inside Russian invasion inside Ukraine has progressed as the European Union began providing Ukraine with ammunition. Way back at the beginning, European countries kind of had, well, it really wasn't a kind of, they made a rule where it's like, we're only going to export ammunition that we produce. Now, part of that was just protectionist job creation reasons. Part of it was, you know, maybe a quality issue. But regardless, that was the initial rule and that's the rule that they've been following but as time has gone on they have not been able to keep up with the demands that ukraine has needed and as ukraine has started to run out of ammunition everyone's been trying to find better solutions now one of the things that happened is the czech republic started looking around outside of europe for places to buy shells from and in their research they spent weeks doing this they found from third-party manufacturers outside of Europe places that already had shells, and in fact, we're talking 800,000 shells, but they need money from Europe 
to purchase these shells because we're talking about a purchase of about $1.5 billion worth of shells. Now, 800,000 artillery shells, that is a lot of ammunition. Since that has all come out, more and more countries are lining up to say, yes, just purchase the shells. It doesn't matter if they weren't made in the you know European Union or that it goes against this rule we initially had. we got to get these shells. So this is something that's increasingly looking like it could happen. Bloomberg News was the first place to break that. So let's hope that for Ukraine's sake, they can get these shells and then hopefully U.S. financial aid will follow up behind that because they're certainly hurting for shells on the front line right now. Now, I want to wrap up the section of Ukraine news by just briefly mentioning three short little things that I think will lift your spirits and make you feel a little better about things. The first thing is I want to share uh, some perspective that a gentleman by the name of Tom Watts shared, and I've got it linked in the episode notes, but he wanted to put, when people were really down about Ukraine losing Avdivka, he wanted to put that into perspective. So let me just read this briefly. He says, The Russian army, at great cost, has seized the Ukrainian city of Avdivka. It's a bummer, and there will be much crowing from the Russians and their supporters. Let's look at what they've gained. Avdivka had a pre-war population of a little over 30,000 and sits about five miles from the city of Donetsk, which has 900,000 people, which Russia seized in 2014. Fighting has been ongoing in the Avdivka area for 10 years now, with the full brunt of the Russian effort for just under two years. In contrast, the cities of Kharkiv, which has 1.4 million people, Mykolaiv, which has 470k, Kherson, which has 290,000, and then Odessa, which has a million, were original targets of the Russian invasion. But they remain free or have been freed. Same with the capital city of Kiev. So there's that. So I thought that was some great perspective right there that I wanted to share. Now the second brief thing is Ukraine has been on a roll as far as shooting down Russian aircraft lately. And in just one week alone, they shot down 10 aircraft. I've got a photo that someone actually put together, uh, literally a day-by-day chart and what the planes look like and their type that I'll put in the episode notes. But yeah, Ukraine, I'm not sure if they've moved some anti-aircraft missiles closer to the front I don't know exactly what happened because one of the planes they shot down was a large radar-carrying plane. That It's not usually easy to shoot those down, and so there's not been many details released on how they managed to get that down. But Russia only has a few of those, and that crew did not survive. And so Russia not only no longer creates those kind of jets or radar planes, they also don't have many experienced crew members. So that was a huge loss for Russia. And the final thing I wanted to share, just something to help us think about spring and better times, is Denmark has confirmed that Ukraine will receive its first F-16 fighter jets this summer. So just a few months away, and that is not going to be good news for Russia for sure, because they're going to be able to do some things 
that I don't think the Russians are quite prepared for. But I have a link to that article if you want to read that. I don't really have time to get into it. And we've discussed F-16s and what they can do a lot in the past year or so. But if you're a newer listener and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can read the uh, link in the episode notes. Now, before we get into the motivation and encouragement section, I wanted to share four brief headline stories that you need to know about. First one, Hungary approved Sweden's bid to join NATO. As a reminder, Hungary was the last country trying to prevent Sweden from joining. That has happened, so that is a big deal for NATO. I've got a link into the episode notes if you want to read that. The second story I wanted to mention is more and more people are urging President Biden to seize more than $300 billion in Russian assets and give them to Ukraine. If you've heard absolutely nothing about that, you can find out all about that in the story link that I have. The third story I wanted to mention involves China. Australia is discussing doubling the size of its naval surface fleet, as well as growing its defense budget. This is a story to keep an eye on as it moves forward. Uh, but you can read the details in that in that story link that I have. And then the final thing is there's recent news that China is stepping up its naval surveillance around Taiwan. Of course, China is pretty routinely trying to intimidate and bully the island of Taiwan, but it appears they're trying to take it to another level. So you can read that story as well. Didn't have time to get into all of that because I am trying to keep the episode shorter, but that was our four headlines that you probably need to know about. Now, with all of that news out of the way, let's get to the best part of the show and let's try to fire you up just a little bit. Let's get to the motivation and encouragement section. This is the motivation and encouragement section. I share these each week because I think all of us could use a quick pep talk. We all influence those around us. And the things that we do are important. So let's get fired up and step up our game, even if it's just a little bit. Because the inches matter, and the inches add up. Here's the first one. Success is measured by the size of your belief. Think small goals and expect small achievements. Think big goals and win big success. That's a pretty good one. We always almost think defeat, don't we? We almost always think it isn't going to work out. But again, that quote is, success is measured by the size of your belief. Think small goals and expect small achievements. Think big goals and win big success. Here's the next one. Success doesn't just come to you. Most of the time, it has to be forced. That's such a good one. Success doesn't just come to you. Most of the time, it has to be forced. All right, here's the next one. Motivation gets you going. Discipline keeps you growing. It's another good one. We all know people who just get motivated, but then they don't want to put the work in. But you got to do the daily work. You got to be disciplined and do it when you don't want to do it. Again, that quote is, motivation gets you going. Discipline keeps you growing. All right, here's the next one. Learn to trust the journey, even when you do not understand it. Another good one. Learn to trust the journey even when you do not understand it. I know we've all been there. All right, next one. I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than to attempt to do nothing and succeed. 
Oh, that's a good one. Again, I'd rather attempt to do no something great and fail than to attempt to do nothing and succeed. Alright, this next one's a quote from an author, uh, Roald Dahl, who some of y'all probably heard about. Uh, the quote is, I began to realize how important it was to be an enthusiast in life. If you are interested in something, no matter what it is, go at it full speed. Embrace it with both arms. Hug it. Love it. And above all, become passionate about it. Lukewarm is no good. Man, that's so good. Lukewarm is no good. You gotta be passionate. Alright, next one. Your positive attitude is as much of an inspiration to others as your achievements and success are. That's another great one. Your positive attitude is as much of an inspiration to others as your achievements and success are. Alright, here's the next one. Wishing, hoping, and dreaming are a good start, but they're only the beginning. If you want to succeed, they have to be followed by hustling, grinding, and working. Another good one about hard work. This next one's kind of a self-reflection one. Don't be held back by what you think you aren't. Again, don't be held back by what you think you aren't. And then let's end one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. It's a good one. Again, strength does not come from winning. Those easy victories aren't going to help you. Strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. That is so good. Now, as you know, I like to share a few from the Bible because that book has become such a source of strength and wisdom and calm for me during the past year. So let's go to the first one. This one's from Psalms chapter 18, verse 32. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. Again, the quote is, It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. Alright, the next one. It's from Matthew chapter 6. Verses 26 and 27. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's another good one, isn't it? Let's do one final one from the Bible. This is from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's such a good one. Again, if God is for us, who can be against us? I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I mean, that's the goal, right? Regardless of your faith, be a decent human being. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode. I hope as you go through this week that you will act a little nicer on social media and in the world as well. Smile at folks in the grocery store. Do small acts of kindness. And remember that most Americans are good and they will help you in an emergency, even if you don't agree politically. Now, I have to finish with two things. 
I want to say a bit about myself and my books in case you're new to the show, and then I want to say just a few words for those struggling with PTSD or with mental illness, since veterans are at a 57% higher risk of suicide than their peers of the same age groups who haven't served. Now first, the part about myself and my books. In case you have absolutely no idea who I am, I am a prior military vet. I spent four years in the Marine Corps, all of that time in the infantry. After my enlistment, I went to college at the University of Tennessee, became a journalist, and spent more than 10 years in the news business. Besides all of that, I've also written 12 books. Those books include a series about a Marine Corps sniper, several novels about a police detective and private investigator, and a few books about war, such as World War II and Afghanistan. Basically, these are fast-moving books with lots of action and plot twists, because those are the kind of books I've always enjoyed reading. These books have been very successful, thanks to all of y'all's help. In fact, I've been fortunate to have sold more than 70,000 copies to date, so if you're one of those people who've purchased one of my books or told others about me, I really appreciate it. They are not traditionally published, so there is no big book publisher out there or marketing team that are pushing these books out. It's literally word of mouth. I am proudly independently published or self-published as those in the industry like to say. They say that as a term of almost ridicule, but I embrace it. I am proud that myself and many other authors have been confident enough to find our own book cover designers, our own editors, etc. You can find more information about these books in the episode notes, or you can look on Amazon just by searching my name, Stan R. Mitchell. The second thing I want to discuss before we end this episode is I have to talk about PTSD and suicide for just a moment. As I said earlier, veterans are at a 57% higher risk of suicide than those who have never served, but this isn't just for veterans. We can all get in really low spots in our life, but I like to tell people it's just a season. It's just a valley. Now, if you are having serious issues, you can call 988 and select one or you can even text 838-255. So you can call 988, select 1, or text 838-255, and you could talk to a crisis line responder anytime, day or night, 24-7. This is whether you're a veteran or a civilian. But I know this is hard to do, and I know most of you won't. So I have to be a little mean here. The fact is that when we had drill instructors or drill sergeants yelling at us, or even if you never served, if you had that football coach or baseball coach that was pushing you, when someone pushes you, you can go further than when it's just yourself. So I'm going to be mean for a moment. I'm going to be that drill instructor or that football coach. I have to say, you cannot give up. Do not lose this fight. Do not make your parents or family have to plan your funeral. Do not make them feel guilty that they did not check on you, that they could not reach you. Do not leave your wife or kids here without you. You can hold on for another day, and if you do, I believe the next day will be a little easier. If you are in a fight that you worry you may lose, call someone. Call a friend or a family member. It's easy to do. Just tell them, hey, I need to talk. I'm just having some depressed thoughts or feelings right now. Please, that's all you've got to do. Or you can call 988 and select one. But I do have to be mean. You cannot quit. Do not quit. Don't do this to your family or friends. You're in a valley and this world needs you. Probably your parents need you. I mean, seriously, who's going to take care of your parents in 30 years? I'm serious. I just helped take care of my mom before she passed. 
I'm now helping take care of my dad. So who's going to do it if you make the worst decision ever? Are you just going to let the system take care of them? How horrible is that? You cannot quit. Don't you dare quit. Don't make the mistake. There's something you're meant to do. You just can't see it because you're in this immediate fog and pain. You can't see that end result. There's a mission for you to do. Maybe it's to coach Little League. Maybe it's to help others with PTSD. Maybe it's to run for office. There's some calling for you. You just haven't found it. And so you're in this fog and you're depressed and it just feels like it's all too much. And giving up is easy. It's the easiest thing you can do. But you can't do that. Find a way to get involved. Stop isolating yourself. Visit a veterans group, the VFW, something like that. Visit a church near you. Visit some family that you've lost touch with or that you've grown apart from. Reach out to an old friend, one from even high school, one you haven't talked to in a while. They are probably dying to talk to you. But if you're struggling, I beg of you, call the Veterans Crisis Line or Responder anytime, day or night, 988 select one or you can even start moving toward god which is something i think you should do if you don't already have some kind of faith that you lean on then let jesus save you he can drive out the devil and the horrendous evil thoughts in your head he wants you to reach out to him you can reach him at any time through prayer through reading the bible if you don't have a bible download a bible app on your phone or look up bible websites online even simpler i have a link in my episode notes that i think can help you It's a story about my dog, who was a stray that we adopted from the shelter. My dog's name is Ozzy, and the title of the article is Be Like Ozzy, Go Near Your Master. It's got a subtitle of The Power of Prayer, Part 1. Give that a read. I think it will help. Or start just reading the Bible. Read some of the Psalms or Proverbs. Or start with the New Testament, with the book of Matthew. I think you'll find the Bible will start drawing you in and changing your life. I think it'll even start speaking to you. But you really can't believe this until you start reading it some. I know, I know. I used to make fun of the Bible too. But no one is going to see you do it if you're on your phone or if you're at home alone. So I dare you to try reading it some. I dare you to taste its wisdom and strength and beauty. But I'm not saying you have to be a Christian, though I think you should. What I'm saying more than anything else, especially if you're a veteran, is you can't give up. Our country needs your strength. It needs your leadership. It needs your courage. I always like to end the show by reminding people you can reach out to me at any time. You can comment on the episode. I try to monitor those. You can also reach out privately at authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Again, that's authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. You can say hi. You can vent. You can send news tips. I love all three of those things. Hey, here's one other thing. This podcast is about defense news. But did you know I also write about politics on a weekly basis? Yes, I actually do. So if you love my moderate, optimistic view of politics and want to know more about how I see things, I've got a link in the episode notes to my political blog. It's called Thoughts from a Southern Gentleman. And what I try to do is I try to write posts that are full of kindness and hope that are Lincoln-like, if you will. Abraham Lincoln is easily one of my favorite presidents of all time, and I've probably read 30 books or so about him. And so I love to try to model the way that Abraham Lincoln thought, the way he lived, etc. He's a very humble person. He was a very, very much a unifier. And so that's what I try to do 
with those political posts. I mean, Abraham Lincoln lived in the middle of the Civil War and obviously just prior to it. He did his best to unify the country. And in a time when we're as divided as we are now, as we nearly were then, there's, in my opinion, no better model for how we should all act with our conversations, with our interactions with others. We have to put work and effort into pulling together as a country. It's not going to happen by accident or by itself. Clearly, as I have tried to hammer home, I truly believe most Americans are good and we need compromise, unity, and love, not mockery or extreme. So that's what I try to do. Again, you can find a link to that in the episode notes or just Google thoughts from a Southern gentleman along with the name Stan or Mitchell. Hey, thanks so much for hanging with me. It's truly an honor to talk with all of you each week and to know that there's a few of you out there who are listening and who care about our country and our military and these issues the same way that I do. I love you all, but never forget that God loves you more. If you want true peace and strength and wisdom, make sure you read your Bible some this week. It'll help you a lot. And also, if you're doing well, reach out to a friend or someone who might be struggling, whether they are young or old. The true strength of this country is its people, and that includes you folks listening to me right now. So be a leader, be a doer, be a servant to someone. With all of that being said, I'll catch you all next week. You have been listening to The View from the Front. I hope you enjoyed the show.